Well, good morning. You know, one of the greatest skills that a person can have is the ability to ask good, insightful you know, questions. Uh, at work, you might ask the question, why are we doing it that way? In a relationship, you might ask, um, what do you need from me? Uh, in the middle of a process, you might say, what's next? When you're developing a plan, you say, what, what do we hope to accomplish? What, what is the end? What, what are we hoping to, to do here? The questions we ask reveal something about us, don't they? They reveal what we value, uh, what we think. Uh, they, re- they reveal, are we, are we a little bit more big picture person or more detail in the weeds? Uh, are we a little bit more self-focused or others-focused? Uh, are we self-aware? Are we oblivious to you know, how we come across to others? Are we more focused on the results or more about let's doing it together and the relationship aspect of it? The questions we ask reveal what we think, what we value, what we want, what we need. In a sense, they reveal reveal who we are. So it is with Jesus. In in the four Gospels, Jesus asks a lot of questions. He asks questions of the disciples, of the crowds, of Jews and Gentiles. Uh, He asks questions of religious leaders, of people on the street. He asks questions concerning a variety of topics. And the questions that he asks, they resonate even today. Questions that get to the heart of, of, of you know, what we believe about God, about ourselves, about the world, what's important. And so this morning we're kicking off a, an eight-week sermon series uh, looking at the questions that, that Jesus asked. Eight of the questions he asked. We don't have time to get into all of them, but my hope and prayer is that as we grapple with these questions that Jesus asked, that the answers that we, we come to, that we begin to see and, 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 and embrace, will cause us to grow in our relationship with him and cause us to have a, a, a heart to go into the world and, and be his representatives. And so this morning we come to our first question. And our first question is, I believe, the most important question of our series. Uh, it's a question that, you know, sooner or later you have to answer. It's a question that depending on how you, how you answer it, it will determine the course of your life. It's a question that demands an answer. The question that Jesus asks us is, who do you say that I am? In other words, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? Who do you say that I am? So much hangs on the balance to our to answer to that question, how we answer it. For example, you could walk away and say he's of no real importance to you. You could uh, answer by saying, I admire him, and you could cherry pick some of his teachings and values here uh, and there. Or you could answer that he is the son of God and give your life to him and seek to follow him in, in all areas of your life increasingly. Jesus asked us, who do you say that I am? So how do you find the answer to that question? Well, I, I think it begins with a sincere heart seeking truth. We're told in Jeremiah, if we seek God with all our heart, with a sincere heart, we will, we will find him. He will reveal himself to us. So we begin with a sincere heart seeking truth. We come ready to engage with his teachings, his, his life, his claims. You don't reject it out of hand. We don't reject it out of hand because of a bad experience with church or Christians or, or unanswered prayer or, or tough circumstances in life. We don't ignore it because we can't be bothered. We seek and we wrestle with the person of Jesus Christ and his claims and his questions and the answers he provides. We, we study and discuss and pray because we understand the ramifications of the answer that we come up with. 
And because we know that not answering the question is in itself an answer. And so before we jump into the, this passage that deals with Jesus' question, I just want to say up front, if you have questions about who Jesus Christ is and you're wrestling with that, if you're truly interested in exploring it, this sermon is just a beginning. We can't get into all the issues and angles of it today. Can't answer all your questions. So if you truly want to have a, a conversation about it, get a hold of one of us as staff. We'd be glad to do that with no pressure, no judgment. Uh, or if, if you want to feel more comfortable, then talk to a friend who's a Christian. So let's begin by looking at our passage we just read from Matthew 16. We'll begin with verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So thus far in the book of Matthew, Jesus has created quite the, the buzz in, in the area. Uh, he's um, he was publicly baptized by his cousin John the Baptist a little bit earlier, and and there was a voice from heaven's uh, voice of God that was heard as he comes out of the water. He he's done all sorts of miracles and healings and exorcisms, all sorts of things, uh, preached to huge crowds. He's confronted the religious leaders um, because of the hypocrisy and abuse of their position and and power. And this news about Jesus, it's, it's spreading. Everybody's talking about it. It's the buzz. You know, like this summer, a lot of people I noticed on social media or online were, were talking about Taylor Swift, huge, huge pop star, songwriter, very successful singer, uh, and, and the tours she was having. And, and people were arguing and debating on social media about, about her cultural influence and how important she was and how she'd be remembered and things like that. Well, in the ancient world, Jesus ha- has gone viral. Everybody would have heard of him. Everybody would have heard about who he was and what he was doing and some of his teachings. And they would have most people would have had an opinion about him and everybody would have been curious about him. All sorts of rumors and statements. And I heard him say this. I think he might be this. I think he's coming to do this. this I think this is what it means. And, and that clearly is what happened, happening because Jesus asked the disciples about this. He says, what are people saying about me? Who do they think I am. And in verse 14, it seems like there's all sorts of ideas. We hear it as almost crazy. Like some people think, well, maybe he's John the Baptist. Well, John the Baptist was beheaded earlier by King Herod. So some of them must have thought it was John the Baptist come back to life. Uh, or some must have thought he was some sort of reincarnation of, of a prophet like Elijah or Jeremiah. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Jesus asked that of his disciples. And he doesn't ask, us, ask it because he doesn't know the answer. He doesn't ask it because he's insecure or seeking attention or concerned with his public image. He asks a question because it leads to the next question, because it narrows down the focus of the question to individuals, to us as persons. Because he knows the answer the disciples will give will determine ultimately the success of his mission on earth. And he asks it because he loves them. They are his best and dearest friends. And their answer to the question will decide whether they spend eternity with him or not. Verse 15. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Now, if you're a Christian, you know that the answer, what it should be. You know, Son of God, Emmanuel, uh, God with us, Lord of death and life, a redeemer, friend, etc. That's the, that's the theological, that's the Sunday school answer, right? Uh, but the way we live our lives and the way we respond to differing circumstances reveals 
what our, what our true, true answer is. For example, if you believe that the Lord is like a divine scorekeeper, he keeps track of your good deeds and your bad deeds, and, and uh, then you're going you're gonna to live your life pretty carefully. You're going to try to make sure that the end, the, this side, the good deeds, uh, outbalances you know, the bad stuff. Or if you believe that God is all accepting and welcoming, he's a pushover, he's kind of a, a stay puff marshmallow guy, he's just there and soft and, and warm, and but rather distant and just kind of waiting for you to get there in heaven, you may not really worry about your good deeds and your sins and whether you're pleasing with God with your life or not, because it, in the end it doesn't make a difference. But And also what we believe about Jesus, who we believe him to be, is reflected in our prayer life. Um, if we believe that God is distant and simply watching events unfold with little participation or influence or care, then we're not going to spend a lot of time talking to him about the things in our lives and asking him to change things. If we think of the Lord as a stern judge, we might also avoid prayer, but for a different reason, because we don't dare ask him for anything. We don't want to bother him and pester him. But if we think of, of the Lord as a friend, we will spend time in conversation with him, just talking about our day, asking for help, asking for insight, expressing our love to him. How we pray depends very much on what we believe about God, about who Jesus is. But, but it also, our answer to this question also affects how we face the trials that we have in our lives. It, it affects how we navigate difficult circumstances and, and, and suffering. So do we believe that that the Lord creates bad times? Do we blame him for it? Do we believe that the Lord sends them here to test our faith? Do we believe that he doesn't create them, but he allows them to help us grow? Do we believe that he, he is with us in difficult circumstances and suffering, that he can bring good out of, out of bad, out of evil? What we believe about who Jesus is, the Lord affects how we approach every aspect of our lives, including how we make our way through tumultuous times. Jesus asked us. This is a question not just for those who are trying to figure out who he is, who haven't decided they believe yet. He's asking it of us as well. Who do you say that I am? How does it work itself out in your, in your life? What do I mean by that? This question, who do you say that I am and how we live it out, it's, not, it's an answer not just for the Sunday school classroom, but it's for the, it's for the emergency room. It's for funeral homes. It's for Sunday night when we struggle to sleep because of the things that weigh us down. It's an answer that demands, the question demands an answer, not just when life is going well, but when life is falling apart. It's what reveals what we truly believe. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Look at Peter's answer to Jesus' question in verse 16. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. In other words, Peter says, you, have been, you are what we've been waiting for. The Old Testament prophets have been predicting for ages that you're going to come. We've been waiting for this. We've been praying for this. We've been wondering if it's going to happen. But you are the answer. You are sent by God. You are the Son of the living God. You are God himself. Come, come to us. And then Jesus responds in verse 17. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. 
And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of death will not overcome it. This is the first time that Jesus um, uses the word church in the Gospels. Uh, And I think that's significant, because Peter's answer, you are the Messiah, you are the Son of the living God, that is the foundation of the church. And and, and Jesus connects Peter's answer to Jesus' promise to, to build his church. And, and that's, that connection is significant because we need a community of faith that Jesus founded because we're not going to be able to, to persevere and, and to grow and confess our faith in him consistently and faithfully if we were not active in the body of Christ. Because believing all this and living it out uh, is, is difficult to do, especially when the storms hit. We, we need each other, and Jesus knows this, which is why he spent so much time building a community it's why he founded the church. And the church is not perfect, of course, but it's Jesus' plan for the world. And he begins the church to share the good news with all the world and to bring healing and hope and peace and justice and love in his name to the ends of the earth. And, and he promises that as we do this, nothing will prevail against the body of Christ. Nothing will separate us from the love of, of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing will prevail upon the church that Jesus founded. What we believe about Jesus matters more than anything else in the world. And there's no important time to wrestle with this than right now. Who do you say that Jesus Christ is? Hundreds of Old Testament prophecies are fulfilled in the person of Jesus. The Old Testament predicts where he would be born, Bethlehem, hundreds of years before it happened, from what tribe and family he would come from, how he would be born, how he would die, even his resurrection. If you look outside the biblical records, Roman and Greek historians and authors from Jesus' day and shortly thereafter refer to Jesus as a real person and they describe his teachings, his crucifixion, accounts of his resurrection and how the early church lived in their response to their understanding of who Jesus Christ was. He was the one true God, the Son of God, the living God himself, the crucified Lord, the risen Lord. And we have the overwhelming numbers of people who over the centuries have been transformed by a personal encounter and relationship with Jesus Christ because they answered that question with, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You are my friend. You're my high priest. You intercede for me. You are my redeemer. Jesus asked us, who do you say that I am? And I don't think we can easily dismiss him as a good teacher or a special prophet or a mythical figure or a revolutionary teacher or an impressive philosopher. And so I challenge you to to look at the person of Jesus in the Gospels, to grapple with the questions that he asked us, to, to sincerely seek answers. And I am convinced, and I believe that the the answer the Gospels give us and the answer that I have come to personally is that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God who died for my sin and rose from the dead. Who do you say that he is? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we come before you and we thank you, Lord, uh, that you are a God who wants to know us, man. a God who desires to reveal himself to us.
And we thank you, Lord, that you you ask us questions to engage us, to cause us to seek you. Questions that reveal ultimately who you are. You are, Lord Jesus, the, the Son of God, fully God, fully human, made flesh. You are our high priest. You are interceder. You are friend and redeemer and rock. You are the Lord of life and of death. You are our Savior and our Lord. And so we come to you, Jesus, now. And I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be at work in the heart of each person here. Help us not just to answer this as a, a Sunday school church answer, but that, that, that our, our belief in you, our belief in our answer would be reflected in how we live our lives, how we respond to all sorts of circumstances. We give you the glory and the praise through Christ our Lord. Amen.